You know, I go back uh, to growing up in this church in Wakarusa, Indiana. Wakarusa to Wasian. Four six five seven three four three five six seven. Not much change in the zip code. You wonder why I'm confused sometimes. Um, if I want to know what the weather's like in Wakarusa, I just call my mom and dad because in two hours we're going to get the same weather. Because uh, that's just directly two hours west of here. And um, growing up in in the uh, Baptist church, I always sat up in the balcony. That's where all the teenagers sat. Uh, and, and we were Baptists, so a lot of people sat towards the back of the church and then the balcony. And then those who got late, they'd go to the front. Not too many. Um, but up in the balcony is where I used to hang out. And uh, up in the balcony were some good friends of mine, the Gongwer family. And uh, I probably have more stories on Troy, uh, who is my age, and we were roommates in college together uh, our freshman year. Um, but the thing is, hanging out with Troy, I got to hang out with his family. So I got to know his, his brothers very well and his family very well, and the best chicken in the world, uh, the Porta Pit chicken, the Nelson's Gongolo chicken, as some people say, and that's it's just good stuff. Um, but the amazing thing is, is that we all grew up, I had no idea that Todd would write a book. And, uh, and then not only did he write a book, but guys like Urban Meyer and Lou Holtz, various coaches said, oh, you've got to read this book. And uh, a couple years ago when my back uh, was having issues and I had surgery, my mom said, hey, I was in the, the dime store in Walkerusa, and uh, I saw this book that Todd wrote and I thought you should read it. It's a leadership book. And I, she knows I love leadership books. So I, I said, okay. In, in other words, mom was looking out for me. Hint, hint. Lay down, heal up, take your time. Don't get up so quick. So I picked up the book and I started reading it. And I got into the first chapter and I thought, I thought this was a leadership book. It's a parable. It's not even true. And uh, so I put it back down and went back to reading some other books. And then a couple of days I returned to it picked it back up and said, well, I'll keep reading. After I picked it up the second time, I couldn't put it down. I finished reading that book, and I thought, this is one of the most incredible books I've read. Based on truth, it, it's just like Jesus telling how Jesus always told stories, parables, okay? That's sort of what this is. And um, the, the lessons learned in this book and the gospel presented in this book was one of those things I stepped back and I went to uh, Dan and Josh and at that point in time in our staff and said, I just think of 20 coaches, I don't care who, 20 coaches that need to read this book. We're going to buy 60 books and we're just going to put these in the hand of coaches, whoever that we need to, and let's get it done. Since then, I don't know how many books we've bought. And I don't know, you know, we've got to get close to 1,000 now that we've handed out of these books out of our office. Um, every coach that I've ever handed this book to, and some of you in here have read it, you're one of those coaches, and you, all you could say back to me was, life-changing. Wish I would have read this 10 years ago. It's definitely shaped my life as a father, as a business person, as a coach, and who Christ is and what Christ can do through me. And so it's just been an amazing read. Um, and so obviously since that time, I, I called up right away after I read it. I called Todd and said, hey, Todd, I don't know if you remember me. And he's like, uh, dude, really? Uh, we ever since kids, whether it was snowmobiling at their house or jumping in their pond or uh, actually Todd is here today with his oldest brother, Trent. And uh, Trent uh, was a musician. And I remember we were just talking about it, his first concert that he did in high school at, at their house. And we we're just reflecting back. And he's like, you know, of course, we remember each other. So 
we were able to reconnect over the past couple years, and um, we, whenever we can, uh, we try to get Todd in front of a, a group of people so he can share his faith, his testimony, and what God's doing in his life. And hopefully, through what he says, God's speaking through him this morning to encourage each and every one of you with what God's laid on his heart. Uh, I'm going to ask, Todd, would you please come on up here? And um, Todd is going to uh, give the message today, and I just pray he's an encouragement to you as he's been a good friend over many years. And uh, I want to pray for you real quick, Todd, and uh, it's all yours. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you again for this day that we get to worship you. We get to gather together as a church family. Lord, I pray right now for Todd, Lord, that you speak to him, that his words are clear, and that uh, his words are your words. Our hearts be soft and open to what you want to tell us today. Lord, may we be changed forever as a result of coming to worship you today. In the name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rex. Oh, well, it's good to be in Wauseon. How are you this morning? Good. I drive, I drive through here. I've, I've done a lot of stuff in Cleveland over the last couple of years, so I, I drive past here a lot. And I've even met Rex on the, right off of the toll road, um, but I, this is the first time I've actually had the opportunity to visit the Metropolitan Wauseon area, and so it's been pretty, pretty life-changing already. Um, but hey, hey, I, I, um, I love that God has a sense of humor. I love that message. I wish the kids could still be here. In fact, sometimes I wish, I think that would be, wasn't that just awesome how they just ran in and out as they wanted and just kind of, <laughs> I would ask you guys not to do that too much, but I did think it was really cool to watch the kids do that. Um, and didn't he encourage us to tell a joke today? Did he, or he encouraged them to tell a joke today to prove God's, I, you guys, I got, I called him out on this the last time I spoke for him, but you guys read his, um, Rex's uh, newsletter? Yeah, anybody ever see the jokes at the bottom? <laughs> Man, oh man, oh man, I, I, some of these jokes, I need to actually just keep posting those and using those when I go out. They're all, they're all pretty good. Um, what was the one, do you remember the one I told? I was trying to think of this right before I came up here. I was like, oh, what was that joke about the honey? But there was one about a honeybee or honeycomb? What? <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't, you know, I, sometimes I get... Get up in front of people. My starting is always just bad. I always just like to, to, to kind of go from the heart, shoot from the hip, and I never know what I'm, I'm going to say when I get up there. And a joke's a great thing to do sometimes. I know a lot of people do that, try to relax everybody, and, but I'm just not very good. And those jokes, I get jokes from Rex. I get jokes from my kids like, why, is the, why was the uh, math book upset? Because it was full of problems. You want me to keep going? I do want to test, uh, uh, so uh, a termite walks into a saloon and says, is the bar, oh, can you say this in church? Wait, okay, I get the, the termite walks into a saloon and says, is the bartender here? Yes! You, come on, do you, think about it. Everybody with me? It's always one in the crowd. I don't get it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, now wait. We got to go back to the termite. Termite, what do they eat? Wood, bar, tender. Bar, being tender, get it? Okay, you got it. It's just stupid, right? It can hurt my feelings. That's okay. Uh, let's pray. 
No, I'm just kidding. Um, it really, I really do appreciate Rex um, inviting me. Honestly, Rex, I appreciate your legacy. Rex has a great family legacy. Um, he has um, just their, their impact, uh, even in growing up in the church. I know his mom, I was just asking before, I know his mom taught, when I was like that size, his mom taught a lot of little Sunday school classes and stuff, and so I know she put up with me. I don't say taught, but she put up with me, I know, for years. Um, I was thinking about this last night. I actually had kind of forgotten about this, and he probably, I hope he's forgiven me by now. You need me, but D- uh, Dave, um, Rex's brother, actually kicked me out of Awana one night. And I won't tell the whole story. I'm sorry. I can't in church, but I deserve to be kicked out. I mean, he was like, you need to leave. Just leave. Oh, God, forgive me, and, and I hope if you ever talk to him, please tell him I'm sorry. <laughs> it was not a very... Uh, <clears throat> Um, but I do appreciate, like I said, your family, man. His family is always pouring in to different areas of the church and, and impacting people's lives. And I certainly appreciate the relationship um, that we've had over, with Rex over the years. I, I thank you for the opportunity to come and share my testimony, to come and share a little bit about lead for God's sake and what does that actually mean. You can imagine I get a lot of questions about what's, what's the term actually mean, lead for God's sake. And what are you talking about when you say that? Um, and so I, I want to really... And it's awesome when we're in a church setting. I get a lot of opportunities to share, and sometimes I, I can't be 100%. I can't go as deep into Scripture as I'd like to all the time, but we can today. And I can give you some, some deep promises, some deep truth regarding what it means to truly lead, to lead for, what it means to lead for God's sake. Ultimately, ultimately leading from the foundation of why you're here on this earth. And so we'll talk about that, and I appreciate the opportunity always to share that I got to tell you, I'm a, I'm a person. <clears throat> How many people are, are kind of results oriented? Seriously, nobody's results oriented in here? Really? Well, usually, I, okay, we got one. How do you guys get anything done? <laughs> I, 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 th- I've always, I thought there was more people. I'm kind of results oriented. There's a lot of, I heard a story about a, um, how popular this is. I heard a story about a, a taxi cab. A uh, driver named Johnny that died and uh, a pastor. Di- they died at the same time. And, and they went to heaven. And, and Peter greeted them. And they w- actually went to an elevator to go to their, their final destination. And they got on this elevator and you can, you, can, you, know, you can just imagine the pastor was very excited and, and they started going up in this elevator. And um, uh, they go up and they way This kept going up, 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 up. And they opened the door and there's just this unbelievable the streets of gold in this huge mansion, and I mean, it is just incredible. And the pastor's kind of like, yes, this is awesome. And Peter turns to the cab driver, Johnny, said, Johnny, this is your home. Well done. Johnny heads out. They get back on the elevator, and, and the pastor's pumped. He's going, oh, this is going to be good. If the cab driver got that, think of where I'm going. And so they get, and they get back on there, and he pushes down. And he starts going down. He goes down lower and lower and lower, and I'm thinking, and, and he said, he's going, Oh, there's got to be a mistake here. And they pop the door open, and it's just like these reager, really meager surroundings, really meager, like small home, everything. He's just like, Peter, there's got to be a mistake. There's got to be a mistake. He goes, well, uh, no, there's not a mistake. We're really focused on results up here. And, and Pastor, uh, when, you, when you spoke, people slept. But when Johnny drove, Pastor, people prayed. Results, results, 
I'm not sure if that's really the way it is, but I thought that was a, a good, spoke well to the, to the being results oriented. I got to share with you. I got to be honest with you this morning. I'm results oriented. I'm also a controlling perfectionist with ADD. Now think about that for a second. Well, you know what that means? A results-oriented, controlling, perfectionist with ADD, you know what that means? It means I drive myself nuts. And I told my wife that, and she said, and you drive your wife nuts. Um, but honestly, I want to I share with you this morning, honestly, that, that those are things that I battle. And that although I have the opportunity and have had the opportunity of the last um, three years to speak literally and share hundreds of times all over the country, um, one of the struggles that I still deal with at times, especially, and sometimes it's worse than others, is, is this, this preparation for what I'm supposed to share. Because I, I get asked a lot, are you just going to say the same thing that you always say? Do you have this package thing? And, and, and you know, I, in my heart of hearts, I, I just, there are, there's always a core part to the message that God's laid on my heart and as a part of my testimony that always comes out. But how that comes out and where we go with it, I just never really know. And I don't want to because I really ultimately want the Holy Spirit to lead me. But yet it's such a battle for me. Every time I prepare, I still wrestle with that. I've got to let this go. I've got to let God do this. I've got to let God do this. And you just want to, you want to get it when you're dealing with those things, being a results-oriented perfectionist, controlling with ADD. <clears throat> and I have, to, I have to confess to you that, that uh, the last few months have been tough. I've, I've dealt with this especially in a little deeper way. And uh, when Rex asked me to share, three months ago the first time? Maybe? Or was it longer? Than, and, and I've been really busy, and I just was like, ah, you know what, I just, it just didn't, I was like, ah, I just don't think I can add that to my stuff right now. And I kind of avoided it. I'd been dealing with some frustration, so I just kind of avoided it, and I avoided it, avoided it. Rex, every once in a while, he didn't want to bug me. He's like, hey, I want this. And he's just like, hey, why don't we? And I finally was like, ah, you know, I just need to do this. Put on the schedule. And for the past three weeks, you know, I, 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 probably three weeks ago, is when we're, we just put on the schedule. I guess you reminded me maybe three weeks ago. <laughs> and um, as I thought about what I wanted to share and I began to think about it weeks ago, I have to, I, I, I'll be honest with you, just, I just have been confused. I've been a little frustrated. I've dealt with just this, this what's, you know, where is it? When are you going to give it to me? What am I supposed to share? What am I supposed to share? I battle. And see, for me, as, a, as somebody that does this for a living, and does this a lot, um, you have to understand that, that the message in the book goes straight to this, how important relationships are and keeping the main thing the main thing and not, not letting things get you out of or priority, keeping people first and all these things. And so it's funny because when I just say, I'm going to just continue to go deeper, Lord. I'm just going to continue to let it go and continue to let you lead this. It's funny how when you do that, you know every level you go to, he wants to take you a little deeper. And so the more and more I thought, I'm just going to walk in peace and he's going to give it to me. I'm going to trust he's going to give it to me. He's going to give it to me. He's going to give it to me. And I just keep walking in peace, not worrying about it. And then in this last week, I'm going, I, I really, I really got to get into this. You know, I really got to start to prepare. What, God, what do you have for me? You know, when I really sat down, really started praying about, really started trying to pray, nothing. Struggle, just struggle, just struggle. And Rex has heard me speak numerous times. And so, you know, there's a part of me going, ah, you know, what else? What, could, God, could, could it be something different? What is it? And so I'm just going back and forth about these things. I'm really battling. I'm really battling frustration. 
And last, over the past week, it was funny because these tests come into play when you want to let it go. You want to just let it be him. And you know, Monday was Memorial Day. Should I spend that working or should I spend that with my family? I'm really pouring into the people that I had the opportunity to be around. And then Tuesday, I had a, a friend come out in from out of town that really needed to, to some time with me to share some things and, and just to pour out his heart, heart some areas. Um, my brother's been in town. Just different relationship things. My family, it, just different relationship things. It just continued to pop up every time I try to dig into things and just test me. You really trust me? You really trust me? And even leading up to Friday, as I sat down and spent a lot of time in prayer in the morning and just kind of preparing, what is it, God, that you have for me? What do you want me to share? And I was so frustrated that I actually was, began to vent. I had a friend that's kind of a mentor of mine that I was talking to that afternoon. I said, man, I just can't. I just don't understand this. It's just not coming to me. I just, you know, so I was venting. And he just kept telling me, he, he shared actually a, a story from Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Has anybody ever heard of that book by Jim Cimbala? It's a great book on faith and, and, and the story of a pastor that struggled preparing. What was it that God wanted him to communicate? And, and, and I said, man, I'm going to go home and find that book because that'll be an encouragement to me. And I went home and, and I got all these books all over the place and I, when you know, I couldn't find the book. And so I, I went deeper into that day and deeper into that day and still, and, and my wife came down in my office at one point and I was frustrated. She said, how are you doing? I said, frustrated. And a lot, as we a lot of times do, I just started venting again. I vented. And, I, and I, I reached over as my wife was listening to me, and she, as she does such a great job, she really was listening to me. She just told me, I'm going to pray for you, Todd. God's, you know, he's faithful. Faithful. Trust. Trust him. And I picked up this book that was sitting. I had pulled up another book by that same author out because I thought, well, is it this one or the other one? Well, when you know, I couldn't find the other one, so this one was the one I had. And so I thought, as I'm talking to her, she said, I'm going to pray for you. God's going to show you. God's going to lean on your heart. And I opened that book up to a chapter, and it was, it's called Fresh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Faith. And I opened the book up to a chapter on discouragement. And when you know it, what he, was ta- what he started to talk about in that chapter, he, he began to talk about, um, in Numbers 13 and 14, the children of Israel. And, you know, they had seen all kinds of miracles and they had, had gone through the plagues and gone out of Egypt and, and were moving beyond that now and, and seen the, the Red Sea part, all these incredible things. And yet, um, when Moses sent the 12 leaders of the tribes out to go spy out the land for them, they came back. They came back and they, and they gave him this incredible, they gave him a report, which is, he asked for a report, but, but not like they ended up doing so I, I want to read this to you really quick. I want to read this, just a, this, the last part of this story about the story about the spy. This is the leaders of these tribes. This is the, the report that they ended up giving on the, on the promised land that they knew God had promised them, that God had given them. And the report they said in, in verse 31, chapter 13 in Numbers, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. 
So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select the leader and return to Egypt. And then, and then it goes through a time where Caleb, there was a couple spies, thank God, there was a couple of them that went that, that didn't go down that path and they said, no, we have to have faith. But, but if you read on down, down into verse, verse, thir- uh, verse 11 of chapter 14, God speaks to Moses after hearing all this, after seeing all this. And he says, and then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? Just think about that. I mean, even God's going, how can this be? All the things that I have showed them, all the faithfulness, how could they be struggling? And when I read those stories, and I've read story, that story and many others of the children of Israel, where they constantly forget about them, and they constantly choose fear, over faith because they forget all the things that he's done for them. And I just, I, I find myself in awe going, how could they, how could they, how could they? And then, and then here I am. As I'm asked to share a testimony today and all the great things that God has done for me, all the in, incredible acts of faithfulness that I've seen God perform in my own life as a result of steps of faithfulness, as a, as a result of just going, stepping out on a limb and going, okay, I'm going to listen to you this time. And him just showing up in such amazing ways. And yet here I am in so many ways, shape and form, so many ways, just like those children of Israel. So many ways. I looked and as I was thinking through this, I'm looking at this and I'm going, here's, I, I relate, obviously, just when I'm, when I'm faced with things and, and I think about my testimony and, and sometimes the struggle of communicating, when I'm faced with this, there's a few things that, where I really parallel what they did, their pattern, what they, how they walked. The first one is it's just flat, flat out. When I have a choice between fear and faith, I choose fear so many times over faith. It's just an everyday choice thing. And yet so many times I go down that path just like they did. And, and when they reported it, they, they, they focus on the problems instead of the promises of God. The problem at hand, the task at hand, instead of keeping our eyes focused on the problem, on the promises of God. In verse 31, they, they confirmed that when they said, they're stronger than us. The second thing I do a lot of times, and what they did is, is they work to justify or exaggerate the problem then in their own mind. They see it and it starts getting bad and then it gets worse in your own mind. We, 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 we want to justify it and make it worse. So when we're, fear, when we're fearful, we want to justify our fear. There's good reason for me to be fearful. I can't do this. This is such a great task. We always want to make things worse than reality. In 33, they said, we are like grasshoppers. <laughs> they see us like grasshoppers. Now, really? Seriously. Grasshoppers? I mean, they were giants. They were big, okay? But grasshoppers? They want to make it worse. They want to make it justify. The third thing they do is they vent. I find myself venting. Venting. You heard me say I vent. Sometimes we vent. Sometimes we need to be able to share honestly and openly, but sometimes we go down that path of venting and we begin to speak things into our life. That's a pow- those are powerful words coming out. 
Those are powerful words. Why would this happen? And I can't do this. And there's no way this is going to work out. And we start to vent. And before we know it, we're sharing things. We're speaking things that flat out are going against the promises of God. The people wept. We always want, when we vent, we want somebody to agree with us. That's part of why we're doing what we're doing. We want that person to go, yeah, 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 you're right. You know what? It's not going to work. This is crazy. That's what the spies did. That's what these leaders did. They got, they got, the, they got the children of Israel all in agreement. And what do you know? The next thing you know, the whole group was crying and whining together. Oh, why is this happening? We all agree. Yeah, this is terrible. We can't do this. And the last thing, or the fourth thing they do, they blame God. They actually blame God. Because what you do, what you find yourself going down the path without even knowing it, before you know it, you're, you're going to go down that path where you start going, well, why would this be like this? And why is it, what does he expect of me? And, and, and these little things, they, they actually turn into these things where we're actually blaming God. Instead of trusting him, instead of walking in faith. By fear, it's all led by fear. Why has the Lord brought us to this land? They ultimately went to that blame game. And the fifth thing is they rebel and want to quit. And flat out, the other way to describe that is just flat out disobedience. We're called to something. The task looks too great. We get frustrated. We let fear rule us. We choose fear over faith. We choose fear over faith. And we quit. We walk away out of our frustration. I think about my testimony. Sometimes I'm I feel inadequate because my testimony, you know, a lot of people have this testimony where they, it was like their, their whole life was just, just all these incredible things that happened in a bad way. And it was just struggling with prison or, I mean, just horrible, horrible things. And then all of a sudden they see the light and they find Christ in their life and it turns around and now it's this. And all we hear about, you know, it's like, and those are the powerful testimonies we hear. And I love those testimonies. And sometimes I feel adequate, inadequate because I don't have a testimony like that. I never really, really went off the complete deep end in my life. Thank God, only by the grace of God, I, I did definitely swam up to my nose. <laughs> but my, 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 my testimony is more like a, a stock chart. You know, just like a stock chart. Just kind of, there's dips, there's downs. And as I think about that, I think about that stock chart, and as I was even, even kind of drawing it out to myself, as I was, what do you want me to share, God? I, I looked at that and I thought every one of those dips. I, 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 first I looked and I kind of pinpointed some ages. 5, 14, 21, 32. Pin, pinpointed some ages of God's faithfulness made clear. Unbelievable things where my life just changed and turned and went on the upswing. Just faith stronger than ever because God's faithfulness. And I looked at that and as I looked at that and I noticed I kind of had a dip right before that where those down points were. And I don't necessarily remember all the, the things that started the down points, but I know this. The up points were started with those steps of faith, where I chose faith over fear. And the down points, every single last one of them, was when I chose fear over faith. And I decided to doubt God. And I focused on the problems over the promises of God. So I've never, ever communicated this, folks, in my life somebody's here that was supposed to hear this I'm going to share kind of the rest of the story now and I'm going to share some awesome stories of faith in you I'm going to get done you're going to go how in the world did he because he's seen God move in so many powerful ways holy cow how could he forget I just want you to know it's a lifelong thing 
It's a choice that we all deal with and we all battle, but we have to choose faith. We have to continue to persevere in faith. Stories for me, and, and you know, like I told you about my stock chart, the stories for me starts out the biggest one of all, kind of the biggest life-changing moment for me and all was, was when I was 32 years old back in 2002, and I had moved my family to Cincinnati. And, and I won't give you all the details of my life prior to that, but let me just tell you that, that my life was one of just passion and intensity. I'm a really intense, high-strung person. I know you can't believe that right now, but I am. <laughs> and, and so, so my life, everything I ever went after, it was, it was 100% go after it with everything. Be passionate about it and get it. Grab it. And I was passionate about being the best basketball player I, I could be. I was passionate about being the best um, basketball coach that I could be. I had 11 seasons that I was a, an assistant basketball coach at the collegiate level. Some incredible experiences from that. I was passionate in the business world. I wanted to carve out my identity to prove my worth to so many others, to show people that I could do it. There's so many things that were driving me. I was passionate to be the best. I never won, when I was doing restaurant stuff, I never wanted to build one restaurant. It was always about 1,000. When I was coaching, it was never about being an NAIA basketball assistant. It was always about, I'm going to be at the Final Four someday, leading a team in the Final Four. I reached a point in 2002 where I finally opened my eyes to some of the brokenness that was going on in my life. I think we all, we all handle brokenness differently. We all have different um, levels of brokenness that really um, affect us and open our eyes to whatever it is God's trying to teach us. But back in that, at that moment, I can remember, and, and, and you know, my, going all the way back to my basketball times where I had put everything in my heart and life into my basketball playing days as a high school player. And my senior year ended up having a, being on a team that was 1-18. So you can imagine how that worked out for me. That's, that's probably what helped me decide that I had a better chance of being a coach than being in the NBA. You know, there's a few other things. You can maybe guess what that might be. Um, but I was pursuing all these things with a passion. And I recognized at the time in 2002, nothing had worked out quite how I ever planned it. And as I was reflecting on my life one day, I, I really was kind of in a, in a downturn. There was a few things that happened that just kind of pushed me over the edge. And I thought, I found myself at that moment of my life sick. I was sick. Uh, I was sick physically. I was running myself ragged, running myself ragged, and I had gone through all kinds of just tests and just problems with my esophagus and stomach and other places that you don't want to know about today. Um, some of you might, but we'll, you, know, you can ask me after church. But um, I, I was sick physically. I was killing myself. I was, I was sick emotionally. You know, a lot of times we can hide this pretty well. We can hide it when we're, when we're sick emotionally pretty well. But, but a test is, is, is a couple things come out, and you've got to think about this because there's so many times they, they come out when they're alone. You know, like I can remember different things. Would just, I had a quick trigger, and they're just different things would set me off. Now, road rage is emotional. There's an emotional issue there. There's an emotional issue of anger. And I can remember, like, saying things in the car. Ooh. I know none of you have ever done that, but I did sick emotionally, trying to walk by faith, but I was still struggling. 
I was sick. I tell people I was sick financially and didn't have anything to do with how much money I had or didn't have. But it had everything to do with how I allowed the money and how I held on to it to affect every other thing in my life. That's how I knew I was sick. And the last one, I was sick relationally, large in part due to all the others that I was sick in. And you can probably imagine the different things. My relationship with my wife, we were coexisting. I, I was struggling with the people that I was leading in the business world. It just, there was a lot of reasons I was sick. And I, I found myself in a side bedroom in our house in Cincinnati on my knees one night or one day, just crying out. Just crying out. I mean, I literally, it was tears in my eyes and I was crying as I was reflecting on my life and wondering and asking myself what I say, what I believe the most important question in leadership is, and really, reality is in life. Because it really, really, if you really start studying, you'll find out it affects everything else, and that's the question, why? You know, so when I talk about leadership and the details of leadership, you know, it's always, most of the time, it's what is leadership and how do you do it and who do you want to be, all these characters. All these things are valid, they're important, everything, but listen, you've got to go ultimately and get, come to peace and come to grips with the, the why thing, the why question. There's two parts of the question. The first was, why do I do what I do? And I was battling that question. <clears throat> and I was battling it because I was thinking back at how I had lied to myself, how I had deceived myself so much in my previous 10, 15 years of my life. I thought about I'm always telling people that my faith was such a, huge part of my platform that I wanted to build in, in athletics. And yet, if you would have watched me play, there's no way, shape, or form that you would have believed that, I, that faith was important to me by the way I acted on the court. Or my testimony was important. You wouldn't have believed that. My actions showed something completely different. And I think about, you know, as a coach, it was all about the kids, and yet, and yet I can remember specifically thinking back and going to times, thinking about the times that I looked down at that opposing coach that was on another I was at a small Christian college when I coached as an assistant coach, and, and we're playing against another Christian college, and I can remember times of actually feeling, ready for this, hatred toward that other coach. I know if there's other coaches in here, I know you've never felt that against an opposing coach, but I know I did, and I came to grips with it. Was it really about the kids and the people and the relationships? thought back to my life in the business world. I want to make a lot of money so I can give a lot of money. Well, that's a noble thing to say. There's not too many of us that wouldn't have, want to have that as a motive, a why. And I can also remember going back and forth with my wife, coming home sometimes after working 90-hour work weeks because there was times when I was, I was in basketball coaching at the same time I was trying to build businesses. I was working all the time, getting up early in the morning and working until late at night. And I'd come home and we'd be in an argument about time and and what the focus was, and I can remember telling her, honey, I'm doing this for you. So that you can... And I came to grips with the fact that, you know, and there was a whole bunch of other ways I was deceiving myself, but I had to come to grips with the fact that my motives weren't exactly what I was saying they were when I even had convinced myself that they were. And so here I am in this room, and I'm crying. And I'm asking this question, why, why? And I believe God's faithfulness is coming through because I believe he's given me some realistic, or some, some he's, he's opening my heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. There was a reason David said, search me. We've got to go, we've got to have help to get to the, to the bottom part of the heart, to get to the true heart of hearts. And so we, uh, 
crying. I'm asking this why question. I'm asking this why question. And I finally go to the second part of the question, which is the absolute most important part of the question that we can go to. And that moves from why do I do what I do to why am I here on this earth? What's my purpose? Now, there's a lot of talk about purpose. In the last 15 years especially, all these, there's huge books on purpose out there. It doesn't matter if you're in the, in the Christian world or the secular world. There's purpose everywhere. People are talking about it. The greatest businesses, the greatest leaders understand how important it is to answer the question, why? And come to grips with that. Why? Why? Why are we here? What's the purpose? We want to give people purpose. But ultimately, ultimately, when I'm talking about purpose, I'm not talking about why you do it. You do it to workplace specifically. Or, or the motives that I just gave you examples of, why I want to become this or why, or my gifts or talents. Ultimately, what I want to go to and when I say, why am I here is ultimately, why did you create me, God, first and foremost? Because that is the foundation of everything. And I'm crying on the room, in the room asking this question, why am I here on this earth? Why, God? And in that moment, the door opens and my little son, who was barely three and a half year old, years old, walks in. And he sees his daddy crying. And he doesn't have a clue. And I'm trying to hide it. And I'm trying to do this, you know. And I'm wanting to see it. He sees me crying. And he walks over to me, not having a clue. And he puts his little hand on my shoulder. And he says, it's okay, daddy. It's okay. You want to talk about the grace of God? faithfulness of God and showing up at a time of need he showed up with a huge answer in my life at that point because the message was Todd you can accomplish the world you can accomplish the world but if you do it at the expense of this relationship thing that I have you here for you never really never really did it from the foundation of your purpose in this life He said, Todd, I love you. <laughs> Mark 12 tells us, Jesus made this simple. When we really want to confirm this, we go, obviously, to the question that they asked Jesus. What is the most important thing? What do all the laws hang on? What did Jesus tell them? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty simplified. It's right there. I love the props, how you guys plan this. <laughs> Pretty simple. I love that Jesus did this, and isn't it cool? Because he, see, he wants a relationship with us. Jesus knew God created us in his image. He loves us and wants a relationship with us, first and foremost. Jesus was asked one question, and you notice he didn't stop there, though, because he knew how we were wired. And he continued to go. He went, love God, but I understand how important these relationships are. Every single relationship in your life, love others as yourself. So at that moment, I, I tell people, I really went from leading for Todd's sake to leading for God's sake. And, I, and that was in, at the age of 32. I could stand up here, and I won't because we're, we're getting ready to close out here, but I, I, I want you to know I could stand up here literally and give you two hours of miracles Rex has heard a bunch of them. Rex has heard a bunch of them. And Dan has, has heard me. He's heard some of these crazy things. This book thing. 
Listen, I was the least likely in the world. In my high school class, I would have def- I got straight A's in high school in phys ed. That was it. Trust me. And, and in college, this is the funny thing that I just realized six months ago, or about maybe four or five months ago, I was going through some papers and I found my freshman year transcripts. I had gone down to Florida Southern. Indiana, boy, going down to Florida Southern. Okay, you do the math. Florida, close to the beach, sun, nice weather all the time. Not good. Um, I got one D my freshman year. All the rest were Fs. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. But I did get one D. Everything else was a little better than that, but one D. And I had no recollection of this until I pulled my transcripts out just six months ago. And guess what it was in? Effective writing. This is it's honest truth. God's faithfulness. When I felt called to write this book after a whole bunch of other miracles in my life and equipping and prepping stuff, I, I, I spent, I spent the first two weeks just calling out to God and make my motives pure, God. Why, is, why do I want to do this? I wanted to do this for my kids so they would have something. And I wanted to do this. I had a lot of very successful friends in both the business world and the athletic world that I felt they had achieved all kinds of success, but I felt they were doing it at the expense of the most important things in life. I felt that they're, 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 from what I saw, the fruit that I saw, the following of Christ, man, it wasn't much. I didn't see much. And the relationships that were going on, the most important relationships that I felt God had put in their lives. So I thought, if I write a book, if for no other reason, a couple of my very successful buddies will read this and be impacted. And I had an outline laid out, and it was going to be a seven steps to whatever. Now, I had the title. I had felt called to write it three years prior to writing it. I had the title laid on my heart um, a year and a half prior to writing it. And the imagery in it, for those of you that like pictures in your stories, there's some pictures in it. The imagery in it, I had that laid out, or I had that over a year that I knew was going to be a part of it. These seven steps I thought I was going to write about for two weeks, I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. And God very clearly spoke to my heart and said, I want you to start over with a short story. And you have to understand, this is a fear, faith thing. Because my gut instinct at this point was, no, no way. I can't write a story. I don't like to read fiction, let alone write fiction. I can't do this. And I thought, well, maybe I can write a page or two, just a few pages. And that'll be a, that's a great idea. Grab the emotion and then run with it. Okay, God, leave for God's sake, said Coach Rock. I had no plot, no characters, didn't know I have, and this thing just poured out as fast as I could type. God's faithfulness. I had to take that step of faith first, but his faithfulness was so real. And through this whole journey, it has just continued. I, I share it with people that early on, you know, you, you write a book and I'm, I told you I'm a little bit emotional, intense, and so as I was getting the manuscript done, I was giving it out to some people because I was like, okay, I think this thing's unbelievable. God's doing this. You're not going to believe what's in this. And, but there's a, another part of me that's going, well, maybe I'm just too over-the-top emotional. Maybe it's not. And I give it to some friends that I knew would shoot me straight. I had two friends specifically um, in the business room. One's a CEO, of a, came from a, a financial background, CEO of a large company. Another one I'd, I'd known since kindergarten. And both of these guys, the, the one I knew from kindergarten, I knew would rip at me anytime he had the opportunity. So I knew he'd be a great one to test it. And the CEO took me out to lunch. He said I was going to revise it. 
I was going to help edit it. I had to stop after two chapters because I just got so into the story. I can't wait till my wife can read this. I can't wait. I mean, this is just, this is, everybody needs to read this. I went to the other friend. He said, you know, I got to talk to you because I can't. Best compliment I can give you, he said, all I know is one of the best leadership books I've ever read. He said, it's a story about life. Not just leadership life. I can't wait till my kids are a little older so they get it. Can read it. And then, of course, true to himself, he said, Todd, no offense, but there is no way you wrote this book. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> None taken. No offense taken. So many stories I could give you. The stuff that, the stuff that I shared about the Lou Holtzes and the Urban Myers and the fact that here, here I am, that's one of the most recent miracles of God is I grew up 20 minutes from Notre Dame. You can imagine who I probably cheer for on... Uh, Saturdays for the most part and now I've been taken into this situation where I'm now cheering for Ohio State which is a huge miracle because the guy that's leading it really wants to lead for God's sake and I thought that was like as that was like as crazy as it gets for me you know cheer for Ohio State too and then here just a few months ago I get this call from the University of Southern California who's actually Notre Dame's biggest rival arguably maybe Michigan may but they're a huge rival and the coach wants to spend time with me, wants to talk to me. And so here, two, about two months ago, a month ago, I find myself sitting in the conference room, in the USC coaches conference room, working with the USC coaches, and I'm going, God does have a sense of humor. This is unbelievable. What am I doing here? If they only knew. <laughs> we have to choose faith. We have to choose faith over fear. And when we do that, he is faithful. We talk about leave for God's sake. I told you at the beginning, it's about, it's about the right foundation. It's about understanding what your leadership is and understanding your influence and, and understanding all these, all these things that have to do with leadership, but it also has to do with life. It's about understanding why you do what you do, but ultimately aligning everything else with why you're here on this earth. God loves you. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to, to, to get the fullness of that relationship. He wants you to utilize and have those relationships with everybody around you. That's what this life's about. Galatians 5, 6 tells us the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's my challenge to you today. Walk in faith above fear. And ultimately, you'll be leading for God's sake. And I'll let you do next. I'm going to come up here and close. There was um, obviously a time your brother and I were in Sunday school class together, and he was fearless during a moment of faith. And the Sunday school teacher said, does anybody have anything they want to share at Christmas time? And um, your brother stood up and said, I want to share. Oh, boy sure you can share this? I don't know. It's sort of funny. Was it Maybe Troy or Trent? It was Troy. Okay. You're safe, Trent. <laughs> Troy unzipped his pants. Yes, and threw them down to show everybody his new fishy swimsuit that he got <laughs> in Sunday school. There's a thing of being fearless and faith that marks together with your family. But, 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 I, but he uh, was 16 when he did that, right? <laughs> 
That's the crazy thing it about is, it. It is. My mom was teaching. She kicked him out too. So. Um, but when you talked about the fearless in faith, and I just want to share this real quick, but see, this school that you're in right now, um, my son did a book report on your book, and the teacher read the book then after she read his book report, and then that book, along with a few other coaches that are in this room, had that book, and that book circulated throughout this whole school. And it, that's the kind of stories that's been really cool is that how you sit there and say, I don't know how God orchestrated this, but that's God. And the stories of faith have continued on. And so I, I wanted, before I prayed, I wanted to say this. It's still going. And matter of fact, Hillsdale College, uh, you met this coach a few months ago. He just sent me an email saying, I wish I could be there Sunday morning. I can't. We're still trying to get Todd in here at Hillsdale to speak to this college. So I want to let you know there are some doors that haven't opened for him yet. Pray that these doors open so they can take this message into those college campuses where there's probably, when it comes to higher learning, there's a, there's a huge battle going on spiritually at these institutions. And so just pray that this is just a simple tool that he wrote. Um, and it's amazing what God can do with the tools uh, once he puts them in our hearts, what he does with those. So just pray uh, for Todd, for the opportunities that he's going to have down the road uh, to stand and stand strong for him, uh, to live that, that fearless life as he's being faithful for God. So would you please stand? Worship team, come forward. We're going we're gonna to pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now again for this uh, moment as Todd has shared his testimony and shared uh, just how what it means to, to be faithful in those moments when we, I think fear just paralyzes us. And, and Lord, I just want to pray right now that you continue the ministry that you have started in, in Todd's life with this book. A, a simple message that we overlook, and then sometimes when I think in the midst of everything that's going on, we fall to our knees, just as he did, and say, what's the answer? And Lord, you gave him an answer that is related to so many others, so many businessmen and coaches, uh, parents that have read this book, and, and they say, I get it. I needed to hear that message. Uh, Lord, we know ultimately that the words that were written came from you. And Lord, I, I know that I've grown up sometimes maybe slamming the church that I grew up in, saying, well, they were really legalistic or whatever, Lord. Uh, and, and, and Todd and I grew up in that same church, but we both know it was that church through all the Sunday school classes and Awana that taught us your word that it ingrained in our hearts so that when we became adults, we were able to use your word for your glory. So Lord, I want to pray for this church and the GPS, the youth programs that go on, the verses that our children are learning, the stories that our children are learning, that they will grow and that your words will grow strong in their hearts so that one day as they grow older, they too will maybe be a pastor, a missionary, they'll be an author, they will be a teacher, a business person, that will take your word into their area of work and impact lives for eternity. Because, Lord, that's what we saw this morning, is how somebody so young was faithful through the years and is doing something big for you now just by being faithful. Lord, may we all be able to have a similar testimony. Lord, I thank you again for this morning. As we close in worship, Lord, may all glory be to you as we sing to you. In thy name we pray. Amen.